Every day, thousands of concerns press for our attention. Our world is wrestling with all kinds of legitimate social issues. Do you ever wonder how things became so complicated? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Do you ever dream about a simpler time in your life and faith? In this series, we will look at four one thing statements in the Bible to help us quiet all the noise and call us back to a simpler faith. We hope you enjoy. On this Veterans Weekend, uh, West Valley Christian Church would like to um, honor, we'd like to um, thank, and we'd like to pray for our military that have served, are serving, or will serve. And I think that prayer that we just saw is a beautiful prayer that I'd like us to bow our heads in respect. And I want you to silently pray yourself. And then in a few moments, I want us to all together pray for our military. God, on this Veterans Weekend, we are reminded of something that may not be on our radar all the time. And that's all the men and women that have sacrificed and are sacrificing and will sacrifice so that we could sit here in the comfort, sitting on purple chairs, opening your word. God, this weekend brings all sorts of emotions. Good all the way to very hard. And so God, as a church, we come together in agreement and pray For those that are especially overseas, that you watch over them and protect their hearts and minds and bring them back to us safely. And for all those that are serving on our homeland that their families are sacrificing and giving up time, we pray, Lord, that you would be there also. God, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, morning. and good morning to those of you online. Um, I'm going to confess to something. I have a celebrate hangover. (laughs) And those of you that are visiting with us for the first time, you're like, what kind of church am I at? You're at the right church. <laughs> no, if we had an event last night. It's, uh, we called Celebrate, and I asked last week. I said, man, could you sign up, please? And literally, you not only signed up, but you showed up. Um, I'm told that we had 350 to 400 people here last night eating Thanksgiving turkey and, and stuffing and mashed potatoes. And there was like 5 billion calories worth of desserts, Okay. But we, we all know if you eat dessert while on the church campus, it doesn't count, all right? And that's a lie from the devil, but I like to say it anyways, all right? So the reality is we got to celebrate what God has been doing in our church, and we had a lot of fun, didn't we? 
And um, I'll tell you, this place was packed. I mean, wall to wall. And, and, and I want to just tell you something. We're just celebrating some, so many things that God is doing. But I, I want to say this, that I get to be a part of a team that has a front row seat of being a part of a church that God is moving in. We are a healthy, growing church. And it has everything to do with you. And it has everything to do with making sure that this is number one, God's word. Amen. And you may not even know this, but last week we were so packed out in first and second service that we added another 100 chairs. And so God is doing something, and uh, we are grateful that he is. Amen? And the best part, even though we did all this crazy stuff last night, we had a video of the almost 50 people that have become members or have gotten baptized uh, this year at our church, and it was awesome. Amen? So we want to say thank you, Jesus. And with that, you know, it just, our staff, it's a crazy time. I, I tell them in the beginning of October, hold on, because we just go one from one thing to the next. And uh, we did the Harvest Festival. We had over 1,200 people at that. And then we did Celebrate last night. And we've got a lot more different things that are happening all the way to the end of the year. But uh, the next real big thing is we are bringing back, which we started last year, Christmas Village. And if you weren't at Christmas Village, it was awesome. But I believe it could even be twice as big as it was last year. It's three nights. I think it's December 16th, 17th. There it is, 18th. And it's just, it's crazy. I can't even describe it. The back parking lot is literally turned into a two-story village. And then the field is this light tunnel experience that tells the story of creation to, to the nativity. There's food vendors. There's a boutique. There's all kinds of stuff. But guess what? We don't snap our fingers and then it pops up. I wish it was like that, but we need hundreds of volunteers. And so Mandy Clark and I think it's Leah Green are going to be at the Welcome Center on the way out. And please sign up. That would just take off all kinds of pressure. You could serve one night or three nights or help set up. Uh, here's some of the things. We, they need handy people to build the whole village, uh, decorators, greeters, kids' crafts, nativity actors. Nativity actors. Who wants to be the donkey? I'm not going to typecast, I promise. We've got, and it says worker bees. I don't know what worker bees are, but we need worker bees. So, and cleanup crews and all that. Will you do me a favor, just like you did with um, uh, the, the Celebrate, just go sign up, go help, go participate, and it'll be a blessing to you. Amen? All right, let's get on to the message today. We're continuing our series, One Thing. And uh, we're looking at seven different, well, we're not going to look at all seven, but there's seven one thing verses in the Bible. I think that we're going to look at five of them all together. So I want to just remind you, the very first week we looked at Psalms 27, and it says this, one thing I ask, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we learned that the one thing, remember Curly, City Slickers? One thing. The one thing is to seek the Lord. Then the, the second week, Pastor John, he, he said Mark chapter 10, and we told that whole story there, but I want to go to verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said this, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you 
will have treasures in heaven, then come follow me. The one thing that week was to prioritize. Then last week, I shared the story of Mary and Martha with Jesus coming over to their house. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, it says this. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, or Martha, Martha, or Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about what, church? Many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is best. And what was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so we said the one thing last week was to make the right choice. To choose Christ over chaos. Have you been doing that? So today, I know you're on that edge of your seat. What is the one thing? Or maybe I'm on the edge of my seat. The one thing passage today we're going to take a look at is, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for last night. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. And God, kind of fun. Today, I've seen a handful of people I haven't seen in a long time. People coming from out of town visiting or just people that haven't been at church for a while and coming back. So God, I say thank you for those people specifically today. They filled my cup and I pray that they filled yours. Lord, be with us as we look into your word. Through your Holy Spirit, do what only you could do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So before we get in our text, uh, have you, any of you ever heard of the name Fanny Crosby? 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 Yes? No? Okay, I, I didn't know a whole lot uh, about her. And so um, Dudley actually writes something in his book, One Thing, about her. And so I read a few things that he wrote, and then I went and just looked at her life. Fascinating, fascinating story. I want to give you some highlights because it has uh, something to do with today's message. She is known as one of the most prolific writers of Christian hymns in history. She's uh, penned over 8,000. How many? 8,000 hymns. Now, 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 Aaron, you're a songwriter. That's crazy, isn't it? 8,000 hymns. Now, some of you are going to have to Google what is a hymn, all right? Um, H-Y-M-N. All right. So, so she, and then I think it's like 9,000 songs that she's written all together. Um, some of her songs are amongst the most popular hymns. And, and, and I looked at the list of ones that she wrote and, and <laughs> that's a long list, right? But one of my favorites that she wrote is Blessed Assurance. And so I'm going to bless you with singing Blessed Assurance. Aaron, C, D, E. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, I'm going to stop right there. All right. Uh, Why don't you ever ask me to be on the worship team? Yeah, whatever. Someone just said, oh my goodness. Someone just said, you just proved why. All right. Anyways, bad choice on your part. Bad, bad, bad choice. So where was I? Oh, Fanny Crosby wrote all these songs. And she did all these amazing things in her life, but there's one thing she wasn't able to do, and that was to see. I was like, what? And so you read the story, and it's really kind of a crazy, sad story. Uh, She was born uh, in 1820 in New York, and there's a story about her mom and dad, and I can get into all that, but when she was six weeks old, she got sick. And you know, back in the day, you had your family doctor, right? You didn't go over to Kaiser and wait on, you know... Okay, we're going to make your appointment. Okay, we could see you in three months, right? But sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Not bitter. 
they go see the doctor, right? Doctor's out of town. An imposter doctor sees Fanny, um, puts on her eyes mustard poultice or something like that, poultice, puts it on her eyes, causes her to go blind. Imposter doctor. Grandma ends up raising her. And grandma teaches her prayer, teaches her God's word, and really emphasizes memorizing God's word. Isn't that amazing? And, 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 and I don't know if this is true, but some of the things I read in her biography is that she could memorize, I, I find this hard to believe, five chapters of the Bible a week. Like, I, you know, what, if she memorized five chapters in her lifetime, that would be amazing, right? I'm struggling with one verse sometimes. But here's some, of, here's some of what she memorized. She memorized all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. She memorized Proverbs. She memorized Songs of Solomon. She memorized most of the Psalms. She memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I can't even read half of those books, let alone memorize them. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But here's, here's something pretty cool. Um, at eight years old, she wrote this. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't, to weep and to sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Amen? Eight years old, to make this choice and to know whose she is. Is so inspiring, isn't it, church? And so I ask you in 2023, do you know whose you are? Because that is the most important thing for us to be moving forward in this life. Because many have told us who they think we are, and we have told ourselves oftentimes who we think we are, but all of that does not hold a candle to this, knowing whose we are. We are children of God created in his image. And therefore, that makes you special. That makes you valuable. That makes you all that in a bag of chips. Amen, church? To know is so powerful. And I love that about Fanny's story. What an amazing heart of gratitude. But there's more. The child, and I want to read this to you, the child who had been born blind from, from infancy would resolve to see the blessings and choose joy instead of bitterness. But it gets better. A preacher who was sympathetic to Fanny said this to her, I think it is a great pity. Mm, bad, bad preacher. I think it is a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered you with so many other gifts upon you. Immediately, Fanny replied, do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? Take that, pastor. <laughs> now, I don't understand that, but what a remarkable young woman. Amen? And, and it's a story of knowing whose she is. 
therefore allowing her to know who she is, to focus not on what she doesn't have, but to focus on that which she does have. And some of us would be fine just to hear that part of the message and walk out of here, to be reminded of how significant our life matters. So that leads us to a story that's found in scripture. It's found in John chapter nine. You've got the gospels, which is basically in the middle of the Bible, the very beginning of the New Testament. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're gonna look at John chapter nine. John chapter nine, verse one. As he went along, he saw, and this is Jesus. As he went along, he saw a man born blind. His disciples asked him, Jesus, can we do something for this guy? I feel really bad for him. It's not his fault. Do you notice that if you're looking at me, I'm not reading the Bible? I'm saying what I think should happen. But what really happens, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents said he was born blind. And if you've been at West Valley long enough, you know this about culture, but we can hear this over and over again and it still doesn't make it right. Culture in that time, if you had some kind of a disease or, or if, if you were paralyzed or if, 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 if you were blind or if you were deaf, the assumption automatically was you've done something wrong. You have sinned or your parents have sinned. That's wrong, isn't it, church? That's awful. That person is dealing with the challenges that they have before them of some kind of physical challenge. And now they have some kind of emotional challenge of what that looks like because people are pushing them off to the side. There's all kinds of stuff. They don't need people pointing a finger and judging them, do they? Do they, church? No way. They didn't then and they don't now. Neither this man, Jesus said, nor his parents sinned. You guys are a bunch of ding-dongs. That's the Rob translation. But this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the what? I'm the light of the world, Jesus says. He is the light of the world then and he's the light of the world in 2023. Can I hear an amen? After saying this, this is weird. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Jesus, the son of God, spit on the ground. Tahakalugi, no, 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 sorry. (laughs) That might be going a little farther. Good thing we don't have teenage, well, we do have teenage boys. (laughs) Spitting is wrong. No, Jesus did it. (laughs) He spit on the ground. That's weird. And it's weird, all the description. It goes further. And saying this, he spit on the ground, made some, he played with the spit. Now, you moms of boys are like, yeah, that makes sense. Just saw it yesterday. Not with my kid, but with my husband. He spit on the ground, made some mud with it, with the saliva, and he put it on the guy's face. Like, there's all kinds of wrong with this if you're parenting. Verse 7, go, he told him, wash Wash your face. So the man went and he did what? And he washed. Can you say those last four words with me? And came home. And came home. And came home. Now sit with that for a second. He was blind. 
He has an encounter with Jesus. And now he could see. Don't you think that's a life-changing experience? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus changes lives. As a matter of fact, let's say that together. Jesus changes lives. At home, I want to hear you, okay? Congregation, let them hear you at home. Ready? Jesus changes lives. This one was blind, but now we can see. Jesus saw a man that most ignored. Wouldn't you agree? In the culture, most ignored. If not ignored, judged. He was an outcast. He was a sinner. He was a loser. He was looked down upon. This was his before story. This was who he was before his encounter with Jesus. Blind. That leads me to the thought when I was writing this message in my office. I have a before story. What does that mean? Well, for those of you that are Christ followers, your before is anything that happened to you before you met Christ. And as I look around this room, we've got some crazy befores in here. And a lot of you think you're the top of the befores in this room. Like, man, you should have seen me before Christ. And we could have, we could have a before party. We'll do the celebrate in November, and then we'll do the before party in March. And then we just come sit around tables, and instead of eating turkey dinner, we'll just do like fried food. And we'll just talk about what we were like before. And we'll show videos of our life before. Well, some of your befores we can't put up on that screen. (laughs) And we can smile about it. But we all have befores, right? And then those of you that have not made a decision for Christ, you're living in your before right now. You're still in your before. And and, and don't feel shamed by that. Don't feel guilt by that. Don't feel judged by that. It's just the opposite. I am glad you're here. We are glad you're here. That's why those signs when you walk in say, welcome home. We hope this is home for you. We hope this is a place where you feel loved, a place that you feel accepted, a place where you could, you could be hugged or a handshake or a conversation. Because here's the reality. I wish all churches, their doors were open to the before people. But, you know, for whatever reason, some churches are museums. They're like, look at all the people we used to bring to Christ. And some churches are country clubs. Oh, wow, we've got everybody that we want now. So now we're good to go. Everyone that doesn't dress right, look right, and smell right, you stay out there. That's what country clubs are, right? We get to choose who gets to come in. But this is the church, and Jesus didn't die for a museum. He didn't die for a country club. He died for the church, amen? And so this is a place filled with messy people. Look around. Or just look right here. And you guys have heard me say this enough. I know why a lot of you come to this church. Because I make you feel better about yourself. Because you go, if that guy is a pastor, then I'm good to go. Aaron says that all the time. But amen, we're messy, aren't we? And what I love about this passage is that Jesus changes lives. And we all have the before stories. You know, but Jesus, Jesus not just leaving us at the before. This man was blind, but now he can what, church? 
see. Today, today Jesus changes lives. And just like with this blind man, the blind man, he's like, he sees the condition of him. And honestly, this is a total side note, but you know that the, the big thing about this story is not that the guy could see physically, right? I mean, that's an amazing thing. But the blindness wasn't just the physical blindness, it was the spiritual blindness that was going in on his heart. That's the real transformation. And as we talk about change in our own lives, it doesn't mean that you give your life to Jesus and now when you get out of bed, you don't have to think about how you're getting out of bed. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. My dad didn't tell me about this. Just like he didn't tell me the hair goes from the top of the head out the ears, you know? Sorry, that's kind of weird. But he didn't tell me about, like, I used to jump out of bed every morning. Now I think about which foot would be less painful to hit that floor first. Can I hear an amen from you, right? And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I have, I, there's no jumping out of bed. It's a process. And, and those of you that are 60, 70, 80 years old, oh boy, you said, you're saying, pastor, you think it's bad now? It only gets better. <laughs> well, don't tell me. So, so when I say, so when I'm, we're talking here, I'm not going, oh, give your life to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, all your physical ailments are gone. You're going to go from deaf to being able to hear. You're going to go from being paralyzed to be able to walk. You're going to go from being, um, you know, all, whatever those physical things are. And I would pray all those things. I don't want you to be in physical pain. I don't want you to have some of the challenges that you and I both have physically. I would love not to have diabetes and be able to eat all that sugar last night. Oh my gosh, it looked good. Right? So we all have our different challenges. Some of you with the asthma, you just love to be able to take a breath without being a challenge. You know, there's cancer, all the stuff that's out there. But here's what happens. When we say yes to Jesus, he changes our life inside out. Now, we might get some of that physical stuff, and that's great. But we go from hopeless to hope-filled. We go from no purpose to having purpose. We go from sinner, lost, to forgiven, saved. Amen? See, that is life transformation. That's what Jesus has to, to offer us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that means anyone, even people that you don't wish were the anyone's. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is what? The new is here. That means there's change that is happening in one's life. Life change is one of the core values. Uh, Jeff Burnett, last night, I, I point because he was over there at first service. He was standing right here. Now, Jeff is big. I call him tiny. I've Actually, last night, I realized I never even asked them if that's appropriate, but he hasn't killed me yet. He is, he'd be on any front line in football. He's a gentle giant, and he and his wife are amazing. But Jeff stood up there, and his wife even said this afterwards, I never thought there would be a day where I would see Jeff, my husband, up on the stage talking about life change. And I'm telling you, I have watched him, I think he said 17 years, and he's just been kind of quiet. I mean, he can't hide because he can't miss him. But he's just been kind of quiet around here. And all of a sudden, a fire has been lit underneath his tail. And he's at our fight night. And now he's a table leader. I never thought that Jeff would be a table leader and lead that way. He's doing phenomenal. He started the security for our children's ministry this year. Did you hear what I just said? He started 
a security ministry for our children. Give it up for him on that, amen? We've got men that stand at the top of the stairwell, both services, just keeping an eye on who's coming up and down. Just shooting the breeze, but isn't it nice to know that we've got guys that are watching everything that's going up on there? Jeff, I mean, I could keep going on. And Jeff went to New Mexico. This, the point is that Jesus is in the business of changing lives, and it's not just Jeff Burnett, but it's all of us. We just have to say yes to him. Life change is a core value at our church. It's not just sign up for fire insurance. Say yes to Jesus, get baptized so, you're not, so you get to go to heaven, right? There's so much more. There's transformation. Jesus wants you to experience heaven here on this earth. Has your life changed as a result of saying yes to Jesus? Have your, has your mouth changed? Has your values changed? Have your priorities changed? Have your habits changed? Have your relationships changed? Not that you're perfect, but that you're different. Dudley writes this in his book. After you've become a Christian and your heart and your life are changed forever by his wonderful grace, people may question this change. But the shift in your life from the person you used to be, the way you used to talk, and the way you used to act should be so radical that the people ask questions. Amen? I went to my five-year reunion a long time ago. I haven't been to any of them since. I was just realizing my 40th might be coming up here in a few years. I'm like, what? I'll never forget it. Because I wasn't a Christian, remember? I became a Christian after high school. And, and I'm there, and I'm talking to some of my buddies, and this and that, and, I, and everyone's sharing where they went, went to school, what are they doing, and all. Hey, Denton, what about you? I'm brand new into this Christianity thing. I'm like, uh, I'm going to college. Yeah, 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 where are you going, Denton? Um, so Christian College. Where are you going? So Christian College. What, what, what? Pacific Christian College. Okay, what, 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 do you, what are you wanting to be when you finish? Oh, I'm going to be a, I am a, a what? I'm a, you're what? I'm a, Okay, the music's loud, but then what we can't hear. I'm a pastor. What? I remember my one buddy going, You you gotta be bleep and bleepity bleepity bleep. Denton is a what? I'm like, yeah. And hey Susan, come here. Eric, come here. And again, there's a group of you're not gonna tell them what you're Denton's a bleepity bleep pastor. And then they started pressing in. Like, what happened? I said, well, I got in this car accident after I lost, saw most of you guys and da-da-da, and I, you know. And, and some of them pressed into that. And they're like, hey, you know, one of them, the guy's like, you're different. And then, <laughs> this is not what you want. But then like, oh, man, we remembered you. Like, how you were. Like, remember that one? Th- and you remember? That? And then they're like, telling me all the bad things, right? And they're like, and now you're up. But here's the, here's the thing. We all have our befores, amen? And then we have our encounter with Christ. And I hope our afters look different than our befores. That there's some transformation that caused people to go, there's something different about you than anybody else. Will you tell me about it? And then our job is to tell them about it. To know who Christ is in your life and to not be ashamed of it. 
First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who gives you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do you do that? Do I do that? Verse 8, his neighbors and those who formerly seen him begging. Isn't that the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, only looks like the guy. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes open? How did you get different? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go wash. And so I went and washed. And now I could see. Where is that guy? I don't know, he said. Jesus changed lives then, and Jesus changes life today, amen? Then you go on in the story, verses 13 through 23, you got the critics. You got the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh my gosh, this guy this, and this guy this, and this guy, and this can't be this year, and da, 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 all the critics, right? And that leads me to the second, there's always critics, There's always critics out there. They're always going to challenge the change in your life, the motive in your life, because of the guilt in their own life. And a lot of times, like the religious leaders that held so tightly to the law and the oral tradition, they're the ones that miss Jesus. He's right there in front of them, and they're missing him because tradition is more important than reality. And there will always be those how-can-this-be people. But I want to tell you, A lot of times I'm challenged with that, well, that religion's good for you, but it's not for me. I'm not for religion. Church, I'm not for religion either. I'm for Jesus. And people need to realize that. Like you could actually come alongside them and go, yeah, there's a lot of religious things and habitual things and a lot of traditions that have nothing to do with this book. But Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship. And I'm going to shoot real straight. I was at a baseball game watching uh, Easton pay, play a couple Saturdays ago. And there's some new kids on the team. And so I'm talking to one of the new dads. And we got into the, the conversation. He goes, oh, yeah, I live by El Camino. Because most of them live out in Westlake and all that kind of area. And I said, oh, I live out that way. And he goes, oh, yeah, what do you do? I, um, I trade stocks. On, uh, <laughs> I said, I'm the pastor at West Valley Christian Church. And he got real weird, because they oftentimes do. He goes, oh, I'm not into that religious stuff. And you know what would be wonderful if I said, you know what? I looked at him and I said, you know what? I'm not either. And uh, I'm just so glad that Jesus has changed my life. And I once was this and now I'm that. But you know what I did? I clammed up. I had the softball tossed to me and I didn't swing. Because what happened, and my defense was there's a really good play that happened on the field, and we kind of got distracted by that. And I could go, well, you know, that happened, and so it didn't happen. Honestly, church, I could have come right back to the conversation and say, you know what, I want to pick up from where we left off. So what I'm doing right now is confessing to you that a lot of times I'll, I'll swing at those things. But in that moment, I was being selfish, and I just thought I just didn't do it. And what I'm going to tell you is next time I see this guy's dad, we are talking. Okay, and why I'm vulnerable that way with you is because I know you guys fall in the same case situations where God loves you a softball and you don't swing. An opportunity to share what what has happened in your life, but the critics have shut you down. I want to tell you that that's the time to speak up and you do it in gentleness. Amen.
Well, we're going to close with this. John chapter 9, verse 24 and 25. It reads like this. The second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. Let's read this together. Ready? One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Let's read that again. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The last point of today's message is tell your story. He didn't argue theology. He didn't talk about in Genesis is a day 24 hours. He didn't talk about revelations and what do all those horses heads mean? And when is Jesus coming back and what does that look like? And he didn't argue all the theology that's in between. What he said is this. I was blind. Now I see. And it was because of that guy, Jesus. People could argue theology to the day you die. But people can't argue what Jesus has done in your life. That's your testimony. That's your story. Who was I before Christ? How did I meet Christ? And who am I today? The blind man simply said, I was blind. I met Jesus, did what he asked me to do. Now I could see. This world needs a life-changing Jesus. Fanny Crosby was quoted as saying, I'm okay with being blind. Because when I die and finally make it to heaven, the first face I'm going to see is that of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, thank you. Help us to choose to know whose we are and to share that with others. Help us to swing at the soft dolls that are thrown before us, lobbed to us on a daily basis so that more lives can be changed. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all. Rebellion